From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. As the new CEO of New Market Bank, Anita Drentlaw is carrying on a family tradition that started with her great-grandfather more than 100 years ago. Drentlaw, the bank's president since 2014, took on the additional title of CEO in August. Under her watch as president, the bank reached $170 million in deposits for the first time. Drentlaw took over CEO duties from her father, Bob Vogel, who continues as chair of the board. In all, four generations of the family have held leadership positions at the bank, which serves the South Metro area and has offices in Lakeville, Prior Lake, and Elko Newmarket. Prior to becoming president, Drentlaw held a number of other positions at Newmarket Bank, including executive vice president and chief financial officer. Her resume also includes a stint as public accountant with what is now RSM. A graduate of the University of St. Thomas and the University of Colorado's Graduate School of Banking, Trent Law is active with the Independent Community Bankers of Minnesota and a number of charitable organizations. In the following interview with reporter Brian Johnson, Trent Law talks about the history of New Market Bank, how the bank has fared during the pandemic, and the challenge of developing a talent pipeline in the finance business. I'm happy to be joined by Anita Drentla, um, new CEO of New Market Bank. And um, uh, this is a, I guess, when, when did you actually start your new position, Anita? Um, why, don't, why don't we start with that? Uh, how long have you been in this role? Well, the actual CEO role, I didn't get the title until this summer, Um, but I've been the president of New Market Bank since January of 2014. So I've been leading the organization for for several years already. Okay. And just by way of background, uh, Anita was 36 when named president of New Market Bank, becoming the fourth generation family member to transition into the leadership position successfully um, since becoming president in 2014 she has led the bank to reach 170 million dollars in deposits for the first time in its history so um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that history Um, it goes back quite a ways has it always been a family-owned enterprise and Well, the bank started in 1905 um, and was actually started by a group of investors out of the Shakopee Chaska area. Um, And then in 1911, I believe, is when they had my great grandfather, who was part of the bank in Shakopee, come out to actually run New Market Bank. 
Um, and at that time, he started to purchase some stock. And then in the early 60s, um, actually purchased the majority of, of the stock because he had heard through the grapevine that the investors were looking to sell the bank to somebody else. And so he wanted to make sure to keep the bank in the Alcona market, well, really was new at that um, area and actually retain his job. So he mm. quickly bought up the, um, the majority of the stock and was able to, to keep the bank, the family. Um, my, my grandfather came back after war and started helping out his dad in the bank and just kind of stayed. <laughs> so, um, he, he became the president. I don't remember the year now that he became president, but I think it was in the sometime in the sixties. Mm -hmm. And then, um, my dad joined the bank after a couple of years after, um, he was done with college in the seventies. And then I came out in 2002 after a two year, um, career in public accounting. So, okay. and your great grandfather and grandfather and your father. So there's just been, uh, stayed in the family through that line of succession. It sounds like what was there? Um, what was your grandfather, your great grandfather's name? Arnold Vogel. Okay. And then your grandfather and your, your father is Bob Vogel. My father is Bob. And then my grandfather is Wilfred, but everybody calls him Bill. So. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Um, so how is the, uh, can you talk a little bit about your duties as CEO and how has that changed from uh, prior positions you held? So, I, I mean, as when I took over first as president, it was really um, still kind of carrying out the vision that my dad as CEO had set for the bank and um, in charge of the operational type decisions and making sure that, you know, we're following processes correctly and um, leading the team as well. But really over time, he had started transitioning that strategic focus of the business to me. And as we started to talk through um, succession and, and roles and responsibilities, it was kind of apparent that um, the CEO position had kind of been transitioned at some time undis undetermined. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so um, the board decided to, to be able to move that CEO title to myself this summer. Okay. And what types of sex sectors do you serve um, in the kind of on the commercial side. Can you talk about that? Sure. I mean, we're really focused on small business. So, you know, businesses from one, a sole owner to, I think our, the largest customer we have has close to 500 employees. Um, so, and, and it spans a lot of industries. Um, a lot of the small businesses we serve though are probably, construction type related um, businesses, plumbers, electricians, landscapers, um, as well as builders. Um, over the last several years, though, we have really diversified into various industries. I mean, back before the Great Recession, we, we were even more, we helped even more builders and developers and stuff. But as, you know, people 
we're not maybe here anymore. We've diversified into the various businesses and um, the Lakeville, Prior Lake, and Elko New Market communities where we're located, as well as some of the surrounding communities as our lenders have gone out and created more relationships. Okay. And so have you been doing quite a bit of construction lending um, in, in uh, recent years and months? And how, how did the pandemic affect that? We, we actually started a mortgage department back a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Um, and so most of the construction lending we've done has been home related now because mm -hmm. of the mortgage department that was started in 2018. Um, we were fortunate enough to have somebody come to us, Tom Hazlett come to us and say, Hey, I want to start a mortgage department for you, which has been an extremely beneficial department to have. So instead of large development loans, which we still have a couple that we do, most of the, um, construction related lending has really been, you know, more of a single family type type home recently. Mm -hmm. um, through the pandemic, I would say the volume actually probably, well, we did a lot of um, paycheck protection program loans, mm -hmm. a lot of PPP loans. So um, there was definitely a, a slowdown in other lending because so much time was being focused on that PPP program. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, our mortgage department was extremely busy and overwhelmed with requests for refinances and purchases and stuff. And so we did several construction to perm type loans at that time as well. Okay. I understand there's been quite a bit of uh, home remodeling and construction during the pandemic. So um, is that what you're seeing in your business? Are you serving yes. a lot of those customers? Yep, definitely. A lot of home equity type loans um, refinances with some people taking cash out so that they can do home remodeling projects. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the volume has been significant in, in the last year and a half for those types of loans too. Okay. Do you see that continuing for a while? And Yeah, I think that, I think it will. Um, mortgage in general has slowed down slightly. I mean, it's not it hasn't been the volume that we were having, you know, back a year ago at this time. Um, I think that there's still a lot of people who want to purchase homes. So instead of the refinances and stuff, we're seeing more purchase, purchase type loans. Mm -hmm. So if people can afford the home prices down in this area, mm -hmm. <laughs> which has been a challenge, I think for, for a lot of people because they might be first time home buyers and you know, the prices are, are high and it's very competitive to get a home. So. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Affordability is a big challenge throughout mm -hmm. the state. Um, so that uh, that's, uh, I, I don't know if that's gonna, that's probably gonna be with us for, for quite some time now. Um, but uh, it looks like, you know, part of that is maybe people are investing in the homes they have now uh, a little bit more. So, 
Yeah, I think it, it's that. And there's just not as big of a supply as there are people yeah. that want homes. <laughs> so sure. um, I do think there will be, it will be higher. I don't think it's like this last like housing bubble or whatever that we had. Mm -hmm. um, this, the price increases really, I think, is because there's just not enough supply for the amount of demand that's out there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of your um, kind of how you give back to the community. Um, one thing that just reading through your bio that really um, caught my attention is. It looks like you've been involved in uh, Prior Lakes Polar Plunge for Special Olympics, a founding board member of Chase's Warrior Foundation, and um, you also mentor students through the uh, Minnesota Center for Advanced Professional Studies program. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and how did you um, get interested in doing that? Well, mentoring students has always been something I think that has been a huge interest to me. Um, I used, I know when I was younger, I really took advantage of ha having mentors in my life, whether they were short-term mentors or people who I had a long-term relationship with mm -hmm. that um, I just felt a connection to. So I think that if I'm able to help any student um, be able to give them advice or just be a sounding board for them, that has been something that's been really important to me. So they the Prior Lake and Lakeville School District at the time combined to offer, it, it stands for MINCAPS, or that's how I think of it as MINCAPS program, um, where students can go down like a business tractor, healthcare tractor, the two that they offered initially, and they pair them up one, like a one-to-one -one mentor, mentee relationship. So I've been doing that since they started the program several years ago. And, and um, some mentees have been better than others. Some don't necessarily take it as seriously, but when you get a student that really cares and wants to learn and to be engaged with their mentor, it's been a great experience to be able to just listen and pass down experiences that I've had. So I, I do that mentorship program. And then also through the Prior Lake Savage Optimist Club, mm -hmm. we have a mentorship program that really focuses on students that their GPAs may not really reflect the um, potential that the student actually has. And so it's a little bit of a different focus than the MINCAPS mentorship a lot of the kids that we've had through the Excel program maybe haven't had the best home life, or if they have, they don't feel as closely connected to their parents or um, other adults in their life. And so that has been a, an interesting mentorship program too. We, we focus on uh, their strengths, um, communication skills, time management, organization, interviewing skills, that kind of stuff and try to help them get prepared for whatever their next step is after high school. So that has been a, that's been a good program as well. Okay. I know in uh, construction, for example, there's a ongoing challenge of trying to find young people to go into the trades. Are you seeing similar challenges in kind of finance and banking, just kind of developing that pipeline of talent or 
Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy to be sure. Um, you know, actually pretty much every industry right now is really struggling to be able to find people that want to apply for jobs and, and work, but, um, sometimes banking and finance isn't the most glamorous job to, you know, for people. Um, we do hire here like student tellers and stuff, which I think has been helpful, not necessarily that they decide to go into finance or, or banking, but, um, it gives them an appreciation for customer service and how to, to be able to talk to people over the phone and in person and learn, about organization skills and stuff. And so even if they don't go into this particular industry, they have found it helpful to their ongoing careers after high school or, or college. Um, it, it is interesting. It's hard to, as we looking at the succession plan for various positions within the bank, not just mine, but others, um, it, it is difficult because so many of us are, or others are at similar age groups and we don't necessarily have a lot on, you know, in younger age groups coming up on, under that same type of job. And mm-hmm. so it, it's going to be challenging in the next few years as we, as we look um, forward, even 10 years out, I guess, is it's not imminent with, with us, but even 10 years out to say who's going to be the up and coming chief credit officer or credit analyst or next CFO, um, that kind of, those kind of positions, because it is hard to sometimes find people who are interested in, in the industry. I recently did a um, middle school panel with a bunch of other professionals in the Lakeville area. And um, we broke up into small groups and just told about what we did for a living. And at the end, when they brought all the students back together, um, the people who were organizing it, they were like, well, what is what was the least favorite industry or job that that you you heard about? And they're like, the bank. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and they were like, you were fine. It just doesn't sound as interesting as the people from post who created new serials, which, you know, for a seventh or eighth grader, that is, you know, way cooler than yeah. dealing with money, but, um, That's hopefully, funny. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe one or more of your mentees will, uh, end up in the field. Who knows? But, right. Yeah. Uh, I remember many years ago when I was in elementary school, we'd have bank day where we would put a little couple dollars in an envelope and, and that would go into a little savings account that we had in our name or in our parents' name or whatever. And so I don't know if they still do that, but maybe they can bring that back as like, hmm, banking, money, savings. Yeah. <laughs> they can make some kind of a personal connection there. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes preschools will, we've hosted preschools here to come in and um, let them like, they'll save up coin and like be able to run it through the coin machine and we'll let mm-hmm. them play with the drive up tube. And, and they seem interested at the time, but I suppose there's a disconnect between four and 14. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But. Well, um, so getting back to new market, the bank itself, how, um, so you've been around an awful long time, over a hundred years, um, you must be doing something right. How do you, what would you say are the keys to success and how do you sort of distinguish yourself 
from the competition, like the, the Wells Fargo's of the world and things like that? Well, I think one thing that has really helped is a very defined vision that our leadership team here at the bank has set out for for everybody here. And really, we've kind of reiterated it and communicated it over and over and over so that anybody here knows the vision that we are committed to being a family-friendly type organization that wants to make banking as easy and sincere as a handshake. And so the easy and sincere as a handshake thing has really taken hold and we actually rebranded our logo and stuff to try and um, visualize that piece of our vision. But I think having that consistent vision, our values that we talk about and live passion, respect, and integrity throughout every day with everybody here really forms that common bond that we have as a team. And that has really, I think, been the success, especially in the last few years, um, going through a pandemic and keeping a team engaged was something that I was very nervous about at at the beginning um, last March. Like, how am I going to, as our lobbies close and some people are working at home and how are we going to do all this plus process almost 400 PPP loans um, and open new accounts and serve our customers and have people worried about being sick or not, you know, all of it. And I think having that cohesive team that is really working all towards that one common goal that we continue to communicate throughout, it's been an extremely important piece that um, shows through to our customers too. I think everybody, a lot of people, a lot of banks say, oh, we have the best customer service. We have excellent customer service. And although I totally, truly believe that we do, I mean, our vision of we're trying to make it easy and sincere for people like my great-grandfather did back in 1911. And so granted, we have more rules and regulations that we have to follow now, but we want that feeling of what it was like back then for our customers when they come in now. And although we're not perfect at it, I think we're getting closer. We keep striving towards that through our strategic plan and our goals that we set. And so to me, that is something different. It's also different to have four generations leading, having led the bank. Fifth generation is a teller. Having four generations working in in an office at any given day is unique. (laughs) So we've definitely, um, you know, use that as our, as part of our marketing, because it is different and shows the commitments to our communities that we're in. Well, great. Well, um, thanks for your time and uh, good luck going forward. Um, so thank you. Uh, so it's, it's uh, been nice chatting with you. Do you have anything else to add before, before I let you go or? I just, I think, um, you know, really looking at community banking and setting it apart from banking in general is an extremely important, important thing for readers or listeners. Um, You know, community banks really do have the community at their focus and we're there to serve them through, through PPP loans with the pandemic and have been around for usually a lot of years, combined years. So 
um, that would be my one takeaway too, is that I think um, in the last year and a half, so much more focus has come to community banks in a positive light and set us apart from, from other financial institutions. So mm -hmm. to me, that I'm passionate about that. I'm part of the independent community bankers of Minnesota and their acting chair this year. So oh, yeah. that is uh, definitely something that is unique, I think, to our industry and, and something that sets us apart. So great. Well, thanks again for your time. Um, and uh, hopefully we can stay in touch. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.